Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're going to go to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and bring in Quincy Carrier of The Worst Takes. Um, Quincy, how you doing today? Good, man. How you doing today? Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm more, more than okay. I, I got to keep it honest with you. I'm ecstatic. Um, you know, uh, we've talked in the past, um, uh, about, you know, this draft and what potentially we, we could get. And, you know, there's, there's two names and we saw Newsom at the top and we, we saw JOK at the top. And, you know, we, we thought that there was going to be an opportunity to get one of them, but it never crossed my mind that there was ever a remote possibility of us capitalizing getting both of those. What, what, what was your feeling um, and, and the way you thought about uh, the Browns being able to go get both of those guys and, and able to do it um, in the first two rounds. Yeah, I mean, you talk about ecstatic. You talk about great scenarios that nobody would have thought would have been realistic before the draft started on Thursday. Um, the Browns are square in that. I mean, I remember talking about JOK as one of my guys that if he got past 15, the Browns should consider trading up to go grab him just in the first round alone because I felt like he was the best linebacker in this class. Um, and then Greg Newsom was also somebody I felt like was, would be one of those guys that I would really like at 26 to be able to get Greg Newsom, figure out what you're going to do with the boundary corner position, whether it's Greedy or Greg, you're happy with whoever wins that competition. Uh, and then, you know, you swing around and you get a real difference maker with like what the 52nd pick in the, in the entire draft. Um, I don't know how he fell there to 52. I don't know what teams are thinking, but you know, this happens a lot in the draft where teams kind of overthink it, let a good player talk themselves out of a good player. And, you know, luckily for the Cleveland Browns, Andrew Barry is not uh, one to do that. You know, uh, you know, I, I see it coming down the pipeline, and I looked at it, and we we got uh, when we we drafted Newsom. I'm looking at, at the, you know, I immediately go to the board and say, okay, you know, they do at the end of the first night. The customary thing to do is to to mention the top five guys on the board. The Browns are drafted in the 50s, and I'm like, yeah, uh, this is rough. Like, you know, JOK is probably the guy. I'm watching the NFL Network. I'm watching ESPN, and I'm, you know, he's he's the top guy on both of their boards. I'm like, this guy has a first round grade. Um, most people have him as probably the number one or two linebacker in this draft, and there's no way in heck they're getting him out of at, at, in the 50s where the Browns are selecting. 
and I start moving around a little bit. I start walking around and I'm doing some stuff in my house. And then I hear a pick number 52. There, there been, there's been a trade. And I'm like, and then they said the Cleveland Browns are on the clock. Now, at this time, I wasn't paying attention. And they say, oh, well, this is this is a Koromoa. This is him right here. He's he has an opportunity to get picked. I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. And I look at it. I'm like. Oh my goodness, they they're about to get it. what? He's still on the board? Um when you look at it, what I asked Mary Kay Cabot is what in the heck you think could have caused that? Do you think it's a obviously it's a speculation, but maybe injuries, uh maybe they don't know how to use him, the fit. Why do you think a guy like that is still hanging around in the second um around? A colleague of mine, he's another fellow YouTuber, and he's a great draft analyst, Botch Lombardi. He, he has a great saying for, for sometimes when things like this happen in the draft. One, every team isn't good at this, right? Like mo- a lot of teams just aren't good at drafting. You look at the Houston Texans, they get a pick, and then they draft like Houston Davies or, or Davis Mills or something in the third round, and they already traded oh, for Tyrod Taylor. Like, they're just teams that just aren't good at this. The Browns were one of those teams for a very long time that just weren't good. And remember, the Browns took uh, – I forget his name, but I know he went to San Diego State right before Tyron Matthew was a defensive back, literally the pick before Tyron Matthew in the third round. Um, So, like, sometimes teams aren't good at this. And also, you see this on Twitter with fans a lot, but it also happens in front offices. People can just talk themselves out of a good player for no good reason, right? Kyle Pitts, people are trying to talk themselves out of Kyle Pitts because he's a tight end, but they don't feel like he blocks excellent. So they're going to talk themselves out of Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, we, we've seen this happen where when Miles Garrett even was coming out, there were people, Booger McFarland was talking himself out of Miles Garrett, talking about, oh, he jumps off sides too much or, or something like that. You, in this process, we scrutinize and we pick on things and we hyper-focus on things so much that it's hard to get a scale of how big that problem is that you're focusing on is really and then it just turns into people just talking themselves out of good players. And I think I think all 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 these teams talk themselves out of an excellent player. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Talking to Quincy Carey of the worst takes. Make sure you guys guys go out there and check out his uh, his his YouTube page. Uh, he he uploads Browns videos uh, um, pretty much daily. He's been doing it twice a day here. Um, you know, with the draft coming up and, and make sure you guys go check him out on YouTube. I um, mean, you look at it, Quincy, um, you know, I, 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 there's a couple of guys. Uh, when you look at uh, Schwartz, the, the receiver and um, what he's able to do, you know, I, I go on and the first thing you do is check out the YouTube stuff and you look around and you say, OK, what is this guy? Who is this dude? Right. And you, mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, whoa, this guy is is. whoa, OK, they might got a little something here. Um, and then you find out that he's probably one of the fastest dudes in the league. And we, we looked at Tyreek Hill and a lot of other guys around the league. And we say, man, why can't we get that kind of speed? Where do they find these these diamond and the roughs? What do you think about him, um, his skill set, and, and, and what way that he possibly fits in in this Browns offense um, if he's uh, you know, a guy that's going to contribute this year? Yeah, so Anthony Schwartz is interesting, right, because he does fill a role that I felt like the Browns need to felt last year, especially when Odell was out. If you look at the wide receiving room, right, you'll see 
a lot of, of what you would either call Y or Z receivers, right? Number one or, or slot receivers. Or number two or slot receivers, my bad, right? Jarvis is somebody who should not be your X receiver. There's a really good Y in slot option. Same thing with, with Shard Higgins. And even to some point with, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, now Donovan had to play the X a little bit last year just because they didn't have anybody because Odell was out. But when Odell's not out there, Odell is the only X receiver on this team, um, somebody who has the skill set to be that guy who can kind of spread out a defense because of his speed. Um, so this was definitely something that they needed, right? We talked about this team needing another burner behind Odell. Um, and the way I think Anthony Schwartz is going to be used is in a lot of those end-around trick gadget plays that the Browns like to do that they just weren't able to run because both of their gadget guys got hurt, right? Early in training camp, this is a deep cut for Browns fans, but early in training camp, it was JoJo Natson taking all those trick plays in the end-around. Then during the season, JoJo Natson got hurt, turned to Odell Beckham taking those end-arounds. Um, and then Odell got hurt, and then you had no more end-arounds in offense. Right? I don't think Kevin Stefanski wants to be a bad situation again where he can lose these guys and not have that one you know, pivotal trick, you know, those counter end-arounds available to him at key situations. So, yeah, the X receiver thing, that makes sense. 4-2-5 speed, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, he's only 20 years old. This is a developmental piece. This is somebody they're going to try to say, see what they can do with them in a couple of years and, and see if that puts them in an interesting spot when it comes to Jarvis and Odell's contracts coming up in a couple of years. Um, when you look at this, some of the day two guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tommy Toey guy uh, from uh, Ohio State, the guy's one of the strongest guys, um, strong one of the strongest dudes in the draft. I think in a, at his pro day he was trying to get break the record 40-something-odd reps uh, on, on the 225. I liked his tape against Penn State. He's stout. And one thing I like about him is he plays hard all the time. Um, he may not have some of the upside um, that some of these other guys have, but I was quite, I was quietly surprised at what they did in the trenches in terms of him. Hudson, um, who's a guy from Michigan, uh, transferred to Cincinnati, has some good feet, uh, played defensive uh, line uh, originally coming out of the high school, Got transitioned to offensive line, like him as well. And then you got the kid that they got from Florida State that they just really went out and just grabbed, um, who was a five-star recruit uh, and, and was a former uh, All-American. And they all go out and offer him, uh, you know, big-time money to come in as an undrafted free agent, which basically said they want that kid to play or at least try to make the roster. What are your thoughts on what they did in, in the trenches in that in that day two range, day two, day three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right on the spot with that. They added a ton of beef in that defensive line just with those two guys alone, right? You talk about some guy and the guy they got out of uh, Wilson on the Florida State. So the Browns were definitely looking to add some beef, and I applaud that situation uh, because, one, one of the things that I had an issue with this Browns defensive line for a couple of years, especially when it was Larry Okunjobi out there at the other D-tackle position, was that they just did not have the size in the beef available to them to be able to stop interior runs. And, you know, in some divisions, it's not going to be a problem, right? If you're in the AFC South, it's not as much as a problem because most of the teams that run, run to the edge like Tennessee. Um, but in AFC North, that's going to be a problem, right? 
Uh, Pittsburgh, they like to run it shotgun up the middle most of the time. Now, they haven't been successful at it because they, they just have a bad offensive line, but eventually they're going to get back to doing what they do on that side of the ball. Um, and then you got Baltimore, who's the most dangerous up the middle run team in, in football. Um, so, and then also you got Cincinnati, who likes to run it out of shotgun a lot, too. Um, so, if you're the Browns, being able to stop the run out of shotgun, especially when it's up the middle, that's a priority. Was not able to do that. They were not able to do that well last year. Um, and part of that was because of personnel and the sizing of that personnel. If you look what they did along the defensive line, you swap out Larry Ogunjobi for Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson's bigger, longer, stronger, plays and run more stout than Larry Ogunjobi does, um, although he's older. Then you have Andrew Billings coming back, who's a big guy. Um, you got Tommy Tungai trying to make the roster, who's going to be a big guy. And then you also have Wilson out of Florida State, who's a massive guy. So you, you want to be able to have more beef there because, you know, some of those goal line situations did not look great last year. And also whenever the Browns kind of needed um, any kind of short yards or up the middle stopping when it comes to the run, they weren't able to do that successfully because, you know, they just did not have size and weight on the defensive line like, like most 4-3 teams do. When you look at it, um, I think the Browns are going to, like we said, talk, play a lot of 4-2-5, a lot of five defensive backs. And, and now that they have JOK, uh, they have a plethora of uh, safeties, whether it's John Johnson, whether it's uh, Grant Delpit, whether it's Rodney Harrison. Um, you know, they, obviously they're, they're going to have those guys in the mix and have some things that they can do well. They drafted a couple more kids, the kid. Um, out of Georgia, um, he was another five-star guy, a, a former um, really top recruit down in the SEC. But when you look on the outsides, you look at uh, Denzel Ward and you also look at Greedy Williams and some of the guys. Troy Hill looks like he's going to be the main guy in that slot area. Um, where do you see this playing out? How do you see this playing out between, in my opinion, I, I think Newsom and uh, Greedy Williams are going to be battling it out Um how do you see that playing out? Um, and do you think that they'll consistently use Troy Hill in the slot? Or do you say, well, we're, we'll put one of the younger kids in the slot and, and put Troy Hill on the outside? How do you see that kind of mix for Troy Hill, Greedy Williams, uh, and, and Greg Newsom the second? You, you can't put Greedy, Greedy Williams in the slot. Uh, I, I don't think that would fit him at all. Um, I don't think he's a, he's a good slot corner. So it would probably be Troy Hill there. Um and Troy Hill's a nice insurance policy because let's say Greedy and Greg aren't ready to go. Then you do have Troy Hill that you can put outside um, and handle that other boundary area, and then you can just try to figure it out with the other slot corner. I just don't think that would be Greedy. I don't think Greedy's the type of guy who will, who, who will thrive in the slot. Talk about slot corners. Those are kind of the more grindy guys. Um, most slot corners are like drafted after the fifth round. They're, they're the guys who kind of lack traits. Um, but have a lot of the, the intangible qualities. Greedy is all traits, but like not as many intangibles when it comes to him. So I don't think he would work there. Maybe Greg Newsom could work there, but I, I, I honestly think he's going to win out that other boundary position. Um, but, yeah, they, they have a ton of flexibility on this defense. And, yeah, they will run some 4 2 five. They'll run some 4-3. They can run some 3-4 if they really wanted to with, uh, with how much personnel they really have to go to. And I expect them to, to do a ton of different things defensively. Last year, they were really stingent and was strict in, in what they could do as a defense. 
didn't have the personnel. Um, they did not have the flexibility to do multiple different fronts. Um, and sometimes when they did, it turned out to be a disaster because, you know, you, you got Carl Joseph out there covering a ton of space on the cover one or something like that. Um, but this year is going to be much different because they can line up in multiple fronts and have multiple intriguing players out there um, to do multiple different things. And JOK makes that flexibility even greater. You know, um, I, I look at it like this. And one of the things I, I really do think when when you see a draft this deep, um, I also go back and look at two things. I, I go back and say, OK, well, who's left on the roster? And out of those people who's left on the roster, do we have anybody left on the roster that may be making a lot of money that may not be able or, or is going to give you um, any higher production than, than playing a young guy? So I, I looked at it like th- th- that with Sheldon Richardson. When you take a look at what Sheldon Richard was giving, Richardson was giving you, besides just locker room stuff, but on the field, um, I, I think the Browns, you know, had a couple of people targeted that they believe they can get something out of uh, as, as comparable to what Sheldon was giving them, but at a, at a um, at a discounted rate and, and controlling those those players for a longer period of time, younger players. Um, and, and, and guys that they can rotate in at a younger price, a little smaller price. Um, do you see anybody on this uh, roster who may be in that uh, cap casualty area of a Sheldon Richardson where, you know, they may not think that they're really worth the extra? Mm, yeah, so Denzel's going to be in an interesting position after his fifth year um, option ends up because there's no denying how good Denzel Ward is. The, rea- the reliability kind of makes you hesitant to give him the, the money he's going to deserve um, when he's up for free agency. So that's somebody to watch. Ronnie Harrison, also somebody who's going to be at the end of his deal after this year. Really good player, but they also got Grant Delpit coming off that Achilles. Maybe he steps up so they don't have to re-sign him there. Um, other than that, defensively, I, I don't see anybody – there that's really kind of that really has to watch where their spot is um when it comes to the tight ends i think it's three card monty with the tight ends too um because they seem really committed to david and joe six million dollars for somebody who was a third string tight end last year you know that's a commitment then they also have the commitment the fourth round pick uh to harrison bryant where does that leave austin hooper right if those two guys start showing out and austin hooper as um, another underwhelming season, then he's also somebody who could be left out uh, after this season. All right, Quincy, man, I thank you so much for coming on with me, breaking it down. As always, you guys go check out Quincy Carrier on The Worst Takes on YouTube. Appreciate you, my guy. No problem, man. Always happy to be on.